I want to talk about um, this, this person that I met uh, through my wife. Her name is Siri. You guys have any uh, involvement with Siri in your life? You know, I, I used to text my wife a lot while I'm driving. She's like, you know, you should get to know Siri and text me through her. Um, you can actually, like, voice text, and it's been really helpful. And I've been messing around with Siri a little bit, you know, and um, it's become, like, kind of a little bit of a relationship, you know? Uh, you know, asking questions here and there, and I man, I just want to ask her a couple questions, um, and it's got to kind of make a point for me uh, in the sermon today. Siri, what's one plus one? What kind of place are you looking? Okay. <laughs> Siri, what's one plus one? That would be two. Okay. Good. Siri can give the answers to the one plus one kind of questions. Siri, will I go to heaven? Interesting question, Brian. <laughs> Siri, what's the purpose of my life? Siri, what's the purpose of my life? Interesting question, Brian. Siri, do you believe in Jesus? It's all a mystery to me. Siri, how, how can I have joy in my life? Interesting question, Brian. Not helpful at all. Guys, she, she's deflecting all of the, the important, all of the big questions that we have in our lives. Guys, Siri is useless. <laughs> yeah, Siri is useless when it comes to the big questions. Useless when it comes to the big questions, guys. We go to a lot of places that fail in giving us the answers that, not the answers that we want, but the answers that we need in our lives. Guys, I'm calling this message, Consider the Source. Write that down in your notepad or whatever. Or consider the Source. The biggest difference in our life is who we're going to for answers. Guys, God has created us to be relational, to be in community. We're in a community around us. And there's so many places we can go, so many people that we can go, so many sources that we can go for answers. And in an age when we make everything our source, Jesus wants to be our singular source for everything. The big questions, and not just the big questions, but even the everyday practical issues that we face in our lives. Guys, on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, and he was buried, and he rose again. And he rose again. So when we put our faith and trust in Christ and his gospel, we are raised to new life. And we experience the joy that we're meant for, the purpose that we're meant for, the fulfillment that we're meant for, and the meaning that we're meant for through Christ. Guys, Jesus Christ is the source of true life, true freedom, true freedom, all wisdom and knowledge pertaining to life and godliness and salvation. Guys, everything we hear, we read a lot. We hear a lot. Everything we hear around us, everything that we read, there's a lot to read. Everything that we see, everybody that we talk to has to be filtered 
through the word of Christ, through God's word. Guys, we have to vet everything. And we vet everything through God's word. So we're going to get into 2 Kings chapter 1 today. This is an awesome story about another king in Israel. And we're going to backtrack a little bit to last week's text to kind of transition into this week's text. So in 1 Kings chapter 22, at the very end of chapter 22, it's up there on the screen. It starts with this. And this is the king that we're, that we're looking at today. Isaiah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. Guys, we've seen several kings so far in Israel's history in this sermon series about Elijah. We walk through them, and today we see another one, and his name is Aziah. Aziah. Aziah was king for two measling years. Two years. Oftentimes in Scripture, the, the length of their reign is an indication of their closeness to God. Their closeness to God. King David reigned for 40 years. He was a man after God's own heart. Isaiah reigned for two years. Two years. And God, out of, out of his life and reign and, and God's word, he gives us this one incident, this one incident that we're going to see today. This incident is essentially his legacy. That's what God's saying. Of all the things that he did, this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to know about Isaiah. But also what I want you to know about me, what I want you to know about me. So according to God, what we're going to see here in Isaiah, it's the defining incident of Isaiah's life and reign. So let's get into 2 Kings chapter 1. Chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Isaiah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. Guys, I was impressed by how practical this situation is. The dude fell, basically, and got busted up. How practical is that? Do we fall? Yeah, we fall. Guys, it's a practical situation where he gets busted up, and we, we, can, we, can, we can surmise and presume that it's terminal because we're going to see that, you see, he's staring his own mortality in the face. He's staring his own mortality in the face. He's no longer control over his life and his circumstances. Rather, he's asking the big questions about what's going to happen. God, what's going on? What's going to happen? He's not as powerful as he thought he was. He doesn't have the control that he thought he had in his life as he lays there in bed, presumably about to die possibly. Guys, as a result, he wants to know more. His heart is desperate. So what does Isaiah do? Where does he go? What's his source? He's got some big questions running in his heart and in his mind. Where does he go? Where does he inquire of? He considers his source. Who does he go to? And in verse 2, it says, so 
he sent messengers telling them, this is where he goes, go inquire of Baal Zebub. Go inquire of Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. Guys, Isaiah has considered his source and he fails where we often fail where we often fail. He calls upon a God that does not exist. That does not exist. Guys, this is not a one plus one kind of question, what Isaiah is asking. This isn't a one plus one kind of question that he's asking. Rather, it's a big question. It's a big question about his fate. What is going to happen, guys? Beelzebub is as useless as Siri when it comes to the big questions. Beelzebub is useless when it comes to the big questions about wisdom, about life, man, about salvation, about purpose, about, about fulfillment. How can I be fulfilled? How can I have purpose in my life and, and joy in my life? Guys, in facing your own mortality and all the big questions in your life, who is your source? Where are you going? This, this may be one of the most important questions that you ever, ever ask and get an answer for in your life. You see, God wants us to acquire of him about everything. Everything. Not because he's controlling, but he wants a relationship with you. He wants to dialogue with you. He wants you to depend on him. He wants a relationship with you. God knows that if your soul knows its Savior... If your soul knows its creator, you will have true life. God wants that for every single one of us. But because of sin, we go our own way, like Isaiah is doing. Guys, if we take Jesus out of the question, let's just take Jesus out of the question for a second, okay? Where do we go? Where do we go? Where do we go to fill those, the, the, the gaping hole in our heart? There, it's like there's this blank. Go inquire of blank. Where do we go to fill that blank space in our heart? Guys, we go to so many things. There's so many sources that, that are around us in our lives that we go to. Man, we're in the information age right now. We have so much information at our fingertips, through our phones, through everything. I remember when I was a kid, Man, in the, in the 90s, I'm dating myself. When I was a kid in the 90s, I didn't know what my neighbors... <laughs> no, that's good. I didn't know what my neighbors thought. I didn't know what they believed. You know what I'm saying? Now, because of social media, I can know what a stranger in California knows, what he believes, what he's saying... I can, I can see pictures of, of the rooms in his home. I can get to know this guy pretty well, and I can be influenced by it. My, my thoughts and my beliefs can be shaped by a stranger in California. Guys, that's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the information age that we live in now. We are so connected, and there's some good things about that. But man, there is some dangerous things about being so connected to strangers in such an impersonal way as social media. Guys, is it because there is no God? 
that, that you go to horoscopes. I know horoscopes seem fun. I, I get it. But man, it's garbage. <laughs> Guys, it's garbage. Is it because there's no God that you go to palm readers and, and psychics? Is, is it because there's no God that you think you have to go to these things? Guys, some of us are heavily influenced by TV network news. And listen, I'm not bashing on TV network news and the media personalities. Like, I think we should listen and, to the news and, and keep up with it and what's going on. But man, guys, we have to vet everything that we hear because there is so much stuff that we're hearing on these news channels and these media personalities. We have to filter everything that we hear through God's word. Guys, I was just at Giant like last week with my, my daughter, my oldest daughter. We weren't grocery shopping or anything. We, we just go there just to walk, go for a walk. And she likes to go in the, 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 the cart, the buggy, the buggy cart. And we just do laps in Giant. <laughs> I know, totally pointless. <laughs> and we're going through the magazine section. And, you know, I, I, I see a Star Wars magazine. I just start reading the Star Wars magazine. And then I'm also looking around the other, you know, the, the magazines on the section. And man, all of these magazines, they all say, I have the answers. They all say the same thing. Seven ways to happiness. Five ways to a better marriage. Man, ten ways to joy. Ten ways to fix this. Five ways to do this. They're all saying that they have the answer, and I'm just sta I'm, I'm standing there, I'm looking at my daughter like, man, she's going to, eventually, I, I have no control over it. She's going to be an adult, and she's going to make her own decisions, and she's going to have all of these magazines and all of this, this information available to her. And it just made me realize how important it is for me to set up my daughters for success. Not, not personal achievement and that kind of success. I'm talking about success with God and their relationship with God. Guys, we inquire about so many things. We fill that blank with coping mechanisms, with alcohol, drugs, food. Guys, uh, I mean, it, it's everything. We go to work for meaning. We go, we, go to, we, go to, we go to sex for love. We go to money for significance. It's all of these things that we go to. In my previous career as a PGA golf professional, man, I, I, was, I was lost. I mean, I was a decent guy, but man, I was lost and I didn't know any better about the, the answers to the big questions. And uh, I, my, my whole thing, like my career was by God. That was, that was Beelzebub to me. I went to achievement and my career and my career success for everything that I wanted in my life. And, I, want, I was looking for contentment, and this is the, the defining part of my testimony. I was in this search for contentment, and I would, always, I would never stay in a job for more than like a year, maybe two years. And I kept just bouncing from job to job looking for a better and bigger one. And, you know, in some respects, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to, to you know, want to get a promotion or to make a little bit more money, but not if it's your life. And if it's your God, if it's controlling you. And it, it worked. I, I was able to get a bigger and better job every single time. 
But I was always left discontent. And finally, at the end of it all, I, I, I get a job at one of the best golf courses in the country, possibly the world, in Georgia. And I'm just like, man, I have made it. This is it. How can I be discontent again? And sure enough, eight months into my job, my heart has no rest. And I'm discontent again. And that's when I started asking the big questions. What is going on here? Why can't I be content? What is going on here? And it was totally God. He was setting me up. Because shortly after that, after I started asking the big questions, shortly after that, I met my wife, who, through whom I met Jesus. I began immersing myself in God's Word, and I began to get the answers to the big questions. And I gave my life to Christ somewhere in the fall of 2008, winter of 2008 and 2009. Guys, maybe... Maybe your source is yourself. Maybe you're not really controlled by, you know, out, ex outward external things. Man, maybe you're your God. Maybe you're your authority. Everything runs through me. I make my decisions. Maybe your, your, yourself is your source. Guys, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus was claiming divinity. I and the Father are one. God the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he's saying that, I'm the way to salvation, the truth for salvation, and the life. But it's not just salvation. I am the way to, to, to true life and to true wisdom and, and, and to the purpose and the fulfillment and the joy that we're, we want in our lives. He is the way. And he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus was totally dependent on the, Father, on the Father, and he inquired of the Father constantly, which led to him being perfectly obedient in his life, going to the cross, paying for the penalty of our sins, and being the one who qualifies to be depended on for everything. Guys, everything we read or hear must be filtered through prayer and through God's Word. We need to be going to God. Even our own thoughts and our own desires and our own intentions, we got to take them to God. Guys, I, I have godly people, godly men in my life that speak into my life. I have godly men like that that speak into my life, but even what they say has to be vetted through God's Word because at the end of the day, they're human. They're human. I need to be inquiring of God. God, what do you say? What do you say? Guys, maybe you have genuinely put your faith in Christ. You might be sitting here like, man, this message isn't for me. I'm a Christian. You know, this isn't for me. I, I've given my life to Christ. And man, this is for you. This is for me. This message is for me too. Because maybe, maybe you're not following him. Maybe you have put your, your, your faith in Christ, but you're not following him. You're not acquiring him, inquiring of him, and, and you're not dancing with Jesus. Maybe you're not doing those things. 
Guys, there's a war in your heart and your desires and, and the opinions of yourself and others and other people and things are pulling you away from Jesus as the source. Guys, it's time to burn the plows and start following Jesus. What happens next? Let's look at it. Verses 3 through 4. Guys, we're getting into some like, awesome narrative here, okay? Are you excited about this as much as I am? I'm the one that got to prepare for this sermon. Verses 3 through 4, it says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah listens and he goes. He goes to send that message. Guys, I love this. God stops the messengers in their tracks. This, this, is, this is grace. This is, this is God's love. This is his, his grace that he's stopping them in their tracks. This is his grace. And, and, and he's trying to push them in a different direction. And he's essentially saying, consider me. Consider me. Look at the question. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you have to go here? Consider me. What, what have I been doing since I freed you from Egypt? God confronts us out of his love and out of his grace to build up, to warn, to, to move us in the right direction. Guys, is God stopping you in your tracks right now? Is he stopping you in your tracks? Because on the cross, on the cross, God is stopping us in our tracks. The cross is the dividing line. It's both, it's both, it can be judgment for us, or it can be freedom for us. And he's saying, stop. Stop. Look at this, look at the cross, and look what I'm doing, and now reconsider. Make your decision. Guys, look at verses 5 through 8. We move on, it says, it says, the messengers returned to the king, and he said to them, why have you returned? And they said to him, there came a man to meet us and said to us, go back to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Baal-zebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. He said to them, what kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered him, he wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist, and he said, it is Elijah, the Tishbite. Isaiah knew who Elijah was. He knew who Elijah was. Guys, Elijah was a stumbling block to the reign of many kings. These guys hated Elijah. God sent Elijah time and time again to, to prophesy and to, have, and to call these kings to turn back to the Lord. Stop doing what you're doing. And they didn't like the message. They didn't like the message. So Isaiah knows it's Elijah. And he knows that Elijah comes in the authority of God. Because the messengers that were sent had the authority of God. So Elijah represented God. 
Guys, this is the crossroad right here where Isaiah can reconsider his source. This is it. This is the crossroad. He can reconsider his source and repent and turn to the Lord, or he can continue in his way. Guys, Jesus came in the authority of God. He came in the authority of God. And somebody here is at a crossroads. Somebody here is at a crossroads, guys. And if, if you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Christ, this message is for you. Because even as followers of Christ, every morning that we wake up, we have a decision to make. I can follow what I put my faith in, I can follow Christ, or I can turn away and go another direction. We have that decision every day. Christians and non-Christians alike. Guys, let's see what Isaiah does. The tension is mounting. I can feel it in here. (laughs) Verse 9, starting in verse 9. It says, Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. And he's talking about soldiers. He's talking about soldiers. 50 soldiers with his 50. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, the king sent to him another captain of 50 men with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah answered them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. And again, the king sent the captain of a third 50 with 50. Guys, Isaiah chooses his way. He chooses his way. He, he lives by his flesh. Guys, he continues to show his utter independence from God. What he's doing is, is he's sending muscle This is like the Sopranos. You know, they send muscle. They want to intimidate somebody. So this is what's happening. Isaiah is sending muscle to Elijah. He's trying to intimidate Elijah and perhaps even harm him. He's sending muscle to him. And in doing this to to Elijah, he's sending muscle to God. Because Elijah comes in the authority of God. He's sending muscle to God. Guys, are we sending muscle to God? Somebody in here is sending muscle to God. We're turning away from the Lord. We're turning away from the Lord. Maybe we're trying to manipulate God. Maybe we don't like the message. And and we're, we're trying to change it somehow, even though it can't be changed. We're trying to influence God out of the message, some of us are trying to muscle God right now. Guys, Isaiah stubbornly sends a third captain of 50. He's relentless. He's relentless. Guys, look at this. Look look, look at this third captain. God reveals how we should approach him through this third captain. Look at this. Verses 13 through 15. It says, And the third captain of fifty went up 
and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him. O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of 50 men with their 50s, but now let my life be precious in your sight. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. Guys, God relents. God relents from sending fire down upon this captain and his men. Why? Through the third captain, God has shown us how we can come to him in favor. Look at the captain's heart. It's a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart. A humble heart. It's a posture of confession and a posture of humility and a posture of reverence. Guys, muscle, muscle, strength, power, pride, self-assertion has no place in the kingdom of God. No place in the kingdom of God. Rather, meekness and humility and recognizing our need to be saved. Guys, look at Psalm 51, 17. It says, the, sacrificing, the sacrifices pleasing to God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Those are the sacrifices pleasing to God. We can be making all the sacrifices if we, not, if we want. But if they're not coming from a broken and contrite heart, they're not pleasing to God. Nobody exemplified this better than Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Jesus exemplifies meekness over muscle. Meekness over muscle. After the Apostle Paul exhorts the Philippian church to, to think less of yourself and to call them to humility, look what he says. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being bored in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guys, on the cross, Jesus accepted the judgment of the fire from heaven for us. He stepped into the place of the captains, of us, and took the fire for us on the cross so we wouldn't have to. And he did it with humility 
and with meekness. Not power, not strength, not self-assertion. None of those things. Not pride. Look at verses 15 through 17. Let's, let's, let's finish this up. It says, Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king and said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Guys, the message... It didn't change for Isaiah. It changed for that third captain. It changed for him, but it didn't change for Isaiah because he didn't turn to the Lord. He didn't repent of his ways and turn to the Lord. Guys, another king bites the dust. We've seen it time and time again in this sermon series. Another king bites the dust out of Outside of God's counsel and his guidance and his word, everything will ultimately lead to a death. Everything will ultimately lead to a death. Outside of the restorative, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, everything eventually withers and it dies away. Guys, when we go our own way, our marriages slowly die away. They slowly die away. The knot of our families slowly unties. Our relationships, they slowly buckle under the pressure of our sin and our disobedience and turning away from the Lord. But the Lord wants to give us life. He wants to keep these things from buckling. Guys, we don't experience the shalom peace outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isaiah needed a heart change like us. Guys, there isn't an Isaiah in all of us. Even us as Christians. He's in there. He's in there. It's a decision every day. But it's not through our might. It's not through strength or it's not through our willpower. It's through the free gift of grace from God on the cross in Jesus Christ. It's through the strength of Jesus and what he did for us. It's through his work, not, not, a, not our strength. It's not through our muscle. It's through Jesus' muscle. It's through his muscle. Ultimately, guys, I want you to see Isaiah in this way. Listen to me. This is ultimately how I want you to see Isaiah. In First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, in these books in, in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, we see kings come and go. They come and go. God is trying to tell us something through these kings. You see, it was, it was God's plan to institute a monarchy in which Israel would be ruled by a king. That was his plan. And it started with David. It actually started with Saul. And then it moved through David and King Solomon and all the rest that we've seen in this sermon series. And guys, and all these kings, you can tell. Look closely. Some start off really well. Some start off well and some end really bad. Some start off really well and then they, 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 they live badly and then they, they end well. Guys, Isaiah started off pitifully and he ended pitifully. 
Guys, what I'm trying to tell you is this. God was simultaneously showing Israel the futility and counting on a human king for life. Counting on a human king to be their source. But he was also showing them that he had a king coming for Israel and the entire world in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus went the distance. He went the distance. He started off perfectly, lived and served perfectly, perfectly obedient to the Father, and he died perfectly obedient. Jesus went the distance. Jesus did everything that those kings could not do. He went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again so we could be risen to new life in Christ. Nothing that any of those kings can do, and any, anything else that we go to can do that, but Jesus. Jesus alone qualifies. Jesus alone qualifies as the one king that we can go to to depend on for everything, to inquire of over everything, the big questions, the small questions. We can go to Jesus, guys, but it begins with a broken and contrite heart. Losing our muscle, losing our pride, losing our self-assertion, and recognizing our need for a Savior in Jesus Christ and putting our faith and trust in Him. Guys, I want to challenge you. If, if, if you have not given your life to Christ, if you have not made that decision, I want you to do it today. Do it now. Do it now. I'm going to be up here and Ezra's going to be up here. We want to pray with you. Make that decision now. Give yourself a new start in your life to find the joy and the fulfillment and the peace of a relationship with your Creator in Jesus Christ. God is calling. Will you pick up? That happened last week. Let's pray.